Are you enjoying Chat Term Looks 3? If you do enjoy our company, uh, you can interact on a just a dizzying array of online platforms. You can go to our website, www.chat10looks3.com, where you'll have the, all the show notes from every show we've ever done. Thanks, Brenda. Uh, there's also um, a little link through to uh, a bookshop called Bedside Table, where you can purchase, if you'd like, any of the books that we've talked about in the podcast. You can also find merch if Gwen has been up to her terrible tricks and um, putting together diabolically hilarious merchandise. Can you make this a bit snappier? It's going to take us over the 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Are you for real? (laughs) Anyway, uh, you can catch us on Instagram, on Twitter, or join the Facebook group, which is, well, that's just uh, something um, completely else indeed. How do we know if it's working? It's hard to say. We're in different places, so we can't even panic on each other. <laughs> and that's cool. That's fine. I You've feel like worse already. Oh, oh no, it's going to be like a TV interview where we're going to talk over the top of each other. It's going to go. <laughs> I'm going to be Alan Joyce in his bathroom, and you're just going to deal with it. I'm just going to have to cope with it. Um, hello, everybody. If we are indeed broadcasting to anybody but ourselves. I can't look away from the little light that's the camera because I don't want to be that person who does a Skype interview and looks at their own face. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, is that your way of telling me to make sure I look at the camera? So much of that going on this week where people are just like, so anyway, the big thing <laughs> about what we need to be serious about today is, and then everyone's just going, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to look at your face. Which I'm is, not looking at your face at all, sweetheart. You're just ignoring me, just looking down the barrel. That's right. That's why you're afraid. The funny thing about, like, you know, ever since this stuff all started happening is that I actually have not seen you in person. And so looking at you on a screen is totally situation normal as it is for... And it's weird because I was thinking about that thinking, a lot of people that, you know, like say the last time I saw you, I didn't realise... The only plane that's still flying in the world is currently going over my house. He's going to like (laughs) shut that goddamn door. (laughs) Yeah, please, shut the door. While she's gone, I'll show you what I've got here for our um, talk. I've got, has anyone, I'm just showing everyone what I've got here as my supplies for the chat. I've got this. That's all I got. I've got some more. I didn't because I'm responsible. And I've got these. They're the the pistachio lint balls. They're so delicious. All right. Okay. I'm just asking, have you eaten them? Uh, I had some pizza earlier. And this is my new kitchen, guys. Very, very nice. And this is my Walkley Award. What a surprise to see them make an appearance. I had to put them there because you claimed that I was staging it so that you could see everything. Almost they were always there. They're I just wondered where she was. You were planning on. Look at. And just move to your right. Oh, yeah. Multiple copies of your own book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, see, I'm, I'm in my study, and so I hide this stuff here so that it will never be on public view. Uh huh. It be a monster, and now it's all on public view. So. <laughs> Some would argue that you've had a whole week of notice knowing that this was going to happen and somehow you haven't found time to ship that. Um, oh. it was nice I, went to, um, I went to film Kitchen Cabinet at Corey Bernardi's house and it was a very interesting home. Uh, but the best thing about it was that in his bedroom, he and his wife's bedroom, there was a, a portrait of him that had been in the Archibald that was him with a like a sunrise happening behind his head. So it was like a literally... The sun is probably shining out of somewhere like behind me, and I spent so long trying to 
talk him into letting us into going to his bedroom with a camera to film this and he upsettingly said no in the end but that very very sound call there by Cory yeah. Hardy I would have thought because yeah. it's in your own decision tonight some would argue yeah <laughs> um, I'm, can I introduce my outfit this is what I wore to bed last night and oh. not got changed so far today no. I've been running around like a mad bastard and then just 10 minutes ago I thought yeah, I'm still wearing uh, my pyjamas from last night and I still haven't put a proper bra on the whole day and this is now what I'm in. So I'm, what are you wearing? Is that, is that the front party I gave you? I'm super glad that your framing's like this now that you've shared that with us. I'm just going to block you. Um, I am not wearing the front night. It's too hot in the sort of upstairs bit of my house. And that's actually a very heavy fabric on that front nighty. So, no, I'm not wearing it. You're all whining about your free nighty, aren't you? Because, like... Technically, do you actually still have it? I mean, be honest. I do. I do have it. Do you know what this was? A missed opportunity for me to wear my Order of Australia, I just realised. Well, that's on you because you put every other gugor that you've you've uh, accumulated in your entire life behind <laughs> you. So I don't have a great age of full Undisclosed physical aperture. <laughs> Hey, um, this thing is, I'm going to make a confession. I have never been less prepared for a chat 10 than I am I Never. I love it. I, I knew that because when you texted me 10 minutes ago and said, so well, yeah, I've downloaded Zoom. Uh, and I'm like, dude, that's not what we've been trying and testing. So like, you can be a stag or a rock out there. I'm going to make a confession, which is you sent through a rundown this afternoon for me to look at and I haven't even opened it. I'll do it right now. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> You're now living this like I live these occasions. Welcome. You are welcome. Um, can I say in all seriousness, like you've had a, like a shitter of a week. It's been absolutely full on. And I know that you've been in physical lockdown, which I've been teasing you about. But over the last week, I've become grudgingly aware of the important role that you're playing in the uh, course of this national crisis. And so um, I feel less annoyed about the fact that on Monday, I was called in to fill in for you at a breakfast function you were. because the ABC uh, decided that you were too much of a, a jewel in the crown to be uh, exposed to the thoughts <laughs> of others. However, it turns out that the cubic zirconia in the crown are perfectly, absolutely dispensable and available to attend public gatherings. So I showed up to a breakfast that you were supposed to be doing. Rather, I think, Boldly, the uh, organisers didn't tell attendees that they weren't getting you, they were getting me instead. They, they did ask for a little bit of my assistance, though, in mm. getting your biography um, ready to read out, and I was very right. happy to oblige. Well, I'm happy to read uh, a part of the kind message that you sent to the crowd. Okay, so picture this. There's like... I have to look at your face. I can't... I can't enthusiastic crowd. Um, turning up to this thing. And here's the message that Lee Sales, who, pick a lane Lee Sales, has declined to show up to the event and yet feels okay about sending a, uh, a lengthy message to the event. Here's what she says to the crowd. While the implications of corona are concerning, the worst of them is undoubtedly the fact that you've now been lumbered with the Chat 10 Looks Through B team for today's event. I fear the cry has immediately gone up, well, was willing to risk getting coronavirus by leaving the house this morning to see Lee Sales. 
But now you tell me I've done that, and all I'm getting is Annabelle Pan. <laughs> My apologies, friends. I feel your pain. I'm doing this lady a favor, just in parentheses. Blah, 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 blah. Don't touch her either. I've rarely seen anything as likely to be a hotbed of coronavirus as her hair. <laughs> on and on and on. Finally, please do make sure you grab her before she leaves. To ask her to open your next school trivia night or fate, she really does enjoy squeezing in as many community events as possible. Well, you're welcome, Lee Sales. You're welcome. I'm um, laughing at my own, my own room It was quite a bit of highlights of the week, actually, um, writing that, I must say. Did, did everyone laugh? Look, what I would say is I, like you, actually you were more concerned about the heartbreak of the crowd on the revelation that you wouldn't in fact be uh, in attendance. But there was a, definitely an awkward moment when they announced that you weren't making it. But then I've got to say, when the replacement was announced, unstoppable applause and cheering is kind of the way I would describe that the crowd responds. I mean, I don't want to lady, but... I'm they, glad they were a well-mannered crowd that yeah. was to hide their disappointment. Excitable, jubilant, <laughs> relieved. Even. I don't know. No, I can't. I don't know if you heard me before. I, I can't. It's really hard to not look at you. I find it really hard to look down the barrel. Is that going to be annoying for everybody? Or look, I'm sure. Hey, can I just, I've been in charge of the tech and it's actually working, apparently. Like I'm looking I at do that. comments. We, we, we're not going to be very good at responding to comments because really we are just keeping our little tiny noses above water, just even pulling off the technology of both appearing to you live. And, and you say, can I just interrupt you there and say, when you say I organise the tech, Gwen, <laughs> Gwen. <laughs> Maybe Gwen organised the tech shop. <laughs> I'm, jo I'm jockeying it here and normally that's enough to blow up an entire enterprise. So, um, <laughs> You've got nothing to do with it. Gwen just texted me actually, but I won't check it. Um, now, um, just to get onto a couple of little serious things before we get into business. Um, we were supposed to be in Brisbane tonight, the Brisbane live show, and so we're super yep. sorry that we are not able to make that, but we felt that it was absolutely the responsible thing to do. And in fact, after we um, said we were going to pull out, the Brisbane venue also cancelled all their events. So that's great that everyone's doing the responsible thing. Yep. I guess one thing I would say about coronavirus is I think everyone who's a fan of this podcast knows that I like to be well prepared. The fact that I've shown up tonight with no notes, um, haven't looked at the rundown crab scent, would tell you what a serious situation we're in that I've not devoted one second to preparing for this. So um, please take all of the official warnings absolutely seriously. And you can see that we're not even doing this together. We are in our own homes. It's really serious. And please heed all of the official advice. I haven't even been breaking into her house at night to rearrange things. That's how seriously I'm taking it. <laughs> I was going to say we've stopped having sex, but you know that people that don't have a sense of humour and some people will take that seriously. And so I'm not going to make that gag, all right? Um, with each other, I'm going to way too, but yes. Um, <laughs> this is going well, isn't it? Um, I'm just going, I'm letting you take it away there. <laughs> it's a really busy week. Really, I'm real tired. Um, one thing that we should mention too is that um, the charity that our ticket sales support um, every time we, I would use the word perform loosely, but appear jointly anywhere, um, 
They're missing out tonight on um, the cut of ticket sales. Um, everybody will be automatically refunded. Um, if you do, and hardly anyone will find themselves flush with for cash at the moment because everybody is just about to, you know, enter just graphically, graphically new life circumstances. But we'll mention um, the charity because they're terrific and um, we committed to them for the show and they are thoroughly deserving of um, any dollars that you have um, as a result of being refunded for Brisbane if you were planning to go. Sales, yeah, so don't, you don't, please don't feel that you have to, but if you already banked on the money that you spent on the ticket um, and you don't need it, and you, when you get the refund, which QPAC's organising, the charity that we were supporting was the same one we supported in Brisbane last year, which is Care to Achieve, which is run by the Smith family. It's a program that gives financial and other kinds of support to young women who are coming out of state care and are trying to do higher education, going to TAFE or university. So. Um, it's financial assistance because often people in that circumstance, they don't have a good family support network, obviously, and so they're having to work part-time or even full-time to try to get through TAFE or uni, so a bit of extra money helps. And they also provide mentoring because, again, in that circumstance, you might not have people in your life who've been to TAFE or uni, and so it might all be a bit of a mystery to you. So it's a really, I've met people who've been through the program. It's an excellent program. So if you, if you have any, you know, spare dimes, Look at that way because that was the charity that we were going to um, support in Brisbane. Yeah, and given that the last week has just been extraordinary, and one of the sectors that has been very hard hit and isn't necessarily automatically visible to the naked eye is the performing arts sector. Lots of people have had their gigs, events, appearances cancelled. Um, the website I lost my gig Australia has recorded in, in the last week up to $200 million worth of lost um, income. And there's a really good organisation called Support Act that looks after and has been looking after for a long time before all of this started happening. Um, musical performers who have um, fallen on hard times for one way or another, uh, for one reason or another, they're another really good outfit to support um, at the moment. And Lee and I will both be continuing to um, ventilate, I think, the situation that a lot of people in the arts industry find themselves. And um, we haven't actually discussed it, but we will at some point, and we'll let you know, um, how Chat 10 will operate in this period, because normally we would get together in person, and yeah. recent times we go to a studio and record it, and that obviously won't be happening, so we have to come up with a new way to record the podcast. Um, and yeah, so we just have to. Well, this is working okay so far. I mean, it is. So I think we're going to try and get the audio of this and post it as a podcast episode. But I don't know if the audio quality will be good enough to do that. So we're going to have to just. You'll have to bear with us, and we'll have to work our way through it. Um, right. bear, bear with us. Crab Tech Solutions will. <laughs> right now, what have you got? Well, there's only really one reason why I'm showing up. One reason I was showing up to Brisbane, and that is because seriously, like for the last ten days, well, before all the madness and bad. No, I don't really want to listen to you tactfully unwrapping a sweet. <laughs> You're like the annoying person in the cinema at all times. Anyway, um, so. When this weird Uncle Ian thing happened in the Facebook, oh, yeah. um, just so much crazy traffic 
And every time I looked at the Facebook group, there was this whole like, I'm going in, I'm going in. And I had people actually come out to me in the street and saying, what about Uncle Ian? But then you were texting me and saying, don't read any Uncle Ian content because I'll tell you about it on stage in Brisbane. And I have absolutely, resolutely failed to take in any Uncle Ian content. In fact, repelling people who've tried to tell me in person about it. And now, now fine. you're going to tell me what the hell Uncle Ian thing is. Okay, I feel really, really bad now because until you mentioned Uncle Ian right now, I had completely put that out of my mind and not given it much in thought. And so now I'm going to have to just try to remember off the top of my head the Uncle Ian story, which I think I remember. But oh, man. I'm like, I'm like yeah. the woman with more narratives in her head than any other carbon-based life form this week has just been put on the spot. Um, so um, my glasses do um, match my kitchen, Janet Mills. By the way, I'm just giving you a bit of a time moment to collect your thoughts, Lisa. I'm bringing, I'm just reading some um, comments from the side. Listen, if anybody's got any kind of pointers about the answer, I'm just type them in. Did you see that? It's Ian Davis. I am here. Oh, Ian Davis, you're here. <laughs> so the Uncle Ian story, I think, I, I meant to check everyone's name, sorry, and I just didn't. Um, a chatter in Fiji found this T-shirt. Right. said, I can't even remember exactly what it said. It said something like, Uncle Ian is very well loved. Can someone just I'm Uncle Ian and I'm we're very well loved. Yeah, well, my name's Uncle Ian and I'm very well loved. It said something like that. And then she said, um, a lot of op shops in uh, Fiji get clothes from Brisbane and I found this shirt in Fiji and I'm just wondering if anybody knows who this um, Uncle Ian is. And um, within, I think it was like 37 minutes or something, a chatter at UUT in Brisbane, Gwen's texting me probably the backstory, um, a chatter in Brisbane goes, I think I know that guy, because it had Uncle Ian's face on the T-shirt. She goes, I think I know that guy. So, um, like an actual photograph. Of a photograph of this man, and then it's Uncle Ian, and I am very well loved. Um, and so she well, goes, like, hooked into the goodwill bin thinking, last I see of that. She works, yeah, exactly. So she works at QUT. So she goes, I think I know that guy. I'll go find him. So she goes and gets him. And so this is all happening in a Facebook thread. Everyone's going, oh, my God. And then the next thing, she posts a shot of her standing with this guy. Who no. <laughs> and then we made Uncle Ian join the Facebook group. Now he's in there tonight. Um, and he gave the backstory of how the shirt came about. So he's from the UK and he um, he um, went to visit his family in the UK and to surprise him, they'd got these T-shirts printed with him on because he doesn't get to see them very often. And so, and then he posted all these lovely photos of him with all of his family with everyone wearing the shirts. And so when he came back to Australia, he had two of them. And so he oh. had one of them in the Goodwill and that's the one that yeah, he was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So he was going to come to the <laughs> show. And somewhere we'll find this relevant and interesting, surely. <laughs> colleague at QUT coming up and going, are you Uncle Ian and are you very well loved? <laughs> he must have just gone. <laughs> so, anyway, so that was really interesting. So he was coming to the, we were organised for him to come to the Brisbane show and he was going to come out on stage and say hi to everybody. So, oh, Ian. I know. So that's a bit of a bummer. Anyway, I hope I got the story. <laughs> <laughs> that is a classic, that is a classic Facebook group story. That is brilliant. Someone keeps telling me to stop touching my face. Oh, God. I can't stop. And Gwen made, Gwen was making a t-shirt. I'll see if I can hold it up to my camera so everyone can see it. Oh, there it is. Gwen made a t-shirt. 
So Gwen made that. We were going to have it on a T-shirt, and I was going to give it to you. So, so, and that is sort of what Uncle Ian looks like. Hang on, I can't really get it square. Ian, is that what you look like? Please feel to feel free to respond in the comments. It is. So yeah, Gwen was putting him on um, a shirt for me to give to you, and then it all went to hell. <laughs> so that's the Uncle Ian story. I hope I got it right. And I'm so sorry to the Fiji chatter that I don't know your name. Can't remember it. Sorry. Look. You're a busy lady, Lee Sales. We love you. Please don't abuse our love in the way that you abuse the love of yourself. <laughs> um, okay, well, I, I have got a couple of little things to talk about, but you tell me what you've got to talk about. Well, um, I, I'm just kicking off into this whole weird world that we now live in where things are being cancelled and like the ground is slipping beneath our feet. I remember about a week ago you posted David Walsh's dark mofo oh, yeah. statement, which um, you were very taken by and I thought it was a very elegant and um, thoughtful and, um, I don't know, it was an articulate way of cancelling events and, um, of course, we've subsequently had to ha handle our own similar situation and looked around us at all of these things being called off, like the Sydney Writers Festival, which is very dear to my heart. Um, and that sorry, okay. only exist in the imaginations of those who planned it. It's very hard when that sort of stuff happens. But yeah, oh, take on it, right? He's, I mean, he's, I find the way his brain works fantastic because it's super logical and he just explains so clearly why the most logical decision was to cancel Dark Mofo early. Um, and it was to do with, um, because, you know, the loss if they were going to cancel early was X amount of million dollars. If they waited until um, close to the time and you bring the artists, they've all got to be paid. So then you're losing more million dollars. And he said, we could be brave and go, we're going ahead, we're going ahead. And then the audience might stay away because everyone's sick or paralyzed with fear. And so then that's the maximum amount of loss. So. He basically said, you know, I'd rather be a rich coward than a poor hero, and I'm pulling the pin now. Um, basically, it was totally consistent with all of those fabulous gallery notes that are all around it when, when oh, you go to his um, totally. His book as well. His, Sorry. his memoir that I read a few years ago called, um, I think it's called, oh God, I haven't done any homework. I'm so sorry. I think it's called A Bone of Truth or A Bone of Fact or something like that. By what Lee sales without preparation uh, hating myself um a bone of fact i think it's called um it's absolutely fantastic it's his, his voice he's so in, entertaining and intelligent and interesting there's a great i think i've talked about this on the pod before there's a great yeah. where it, about i don't know halfway through there's a chapter and the chapter title is um, in which I insert a chapter about how I made my fortune after my publisher has read a draft and is extremely unhappy. <laughs> it's, from there. it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. We interviewed him for 7.30, um, maybe 2013 or something like that. It was fantastic. Oh, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Hey, um, somebody, I just, um, before I forget, I just noticed in the comments that somebody mentioned that there's a woman called Kitty who flew from Shanghai and was going to be there in Brisbane tonight. Oh. And of course, God knows what's happening to Kitty right now and whether she can get home or. Thank you, Kitty. I'm sorry that we didn't get to meet you. We are um, kind of super gutted about this show being cancelled too. And I'm sorry about this, frankly, 
pathetic, um, you know, um, excuse for makeup, but you know, um, it's the best we can do in a in a frankly imperfect world right now. Um, yeah. So, well, um, did she make it from Shanghai back? Is she here now in Australia? I, I, I didn't have enough time to. Um, I couldn't quite see, but I. Kitty, people are saying kitty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so um, one of the things, though, in this weird new world, I mean, like, I'm now working from home, so is Jeremy. Wow! Working from home at the same time. He's already replaced the chair in the office because it's not up to his standards. It's fine for me. And uh, there's a bit of tidying going on that I feel is something of a reproach. But anyway, we're getting there. It's fine. But we're all being thrust into this sort of change of circumstance, right? Like the people that we have immediately around us are different. And, oh, totally. Um, Do you know, I saw some great advice today, and I'm going to recommend it to you after hearing okay. that from me, which is when you're working from home with your partner, it's best to find an imaginary office mate that you can blame stuff on. So for example, so for example, up here in my study is a saucer with no cup on it. That just, you know, obviously I was walking around with a teacup just is here. But actually that's bloody Stephen from accounts. I mean, why does he always leave his saucers lying around? He's so annoying. You walk around the house with a cup and saucer? I do. Because I'm because I'm elegant. Wow. <laughs> that's so oh my god. Really? I do. Look what a lovely saucer it is. But where's the cup? It's somewhere else in the house. <laughs> Why are you asking me? Ask Stephen from accounts. He's the one who left it lying around. Stephen? I know, but, and I feel terrible about um, authors too who, have, who are launching their books right now and oh. aren't doing that kind of, you know, launchy, launchy thing where people turn up and they sign copies and then there's a big bunch of them sold and that launches them nicely into the market so the bookshelves, bookshops put them up the front and think this one's really going and I know. it's quite an ecosystem like that publishing world and honestly the cancellation of the Sydney Writers Festival means that there is this huge chunk bitten out of the <laughs> likely fortune of these books yeah. and I think the only thing that I think that is um, potentially uh, a saviour in the situation is that there's a lot of people who are going to get sick of or run out of bandwidth for streaming services. I know the Attorney General yeah. all these streaming services and said, look, can you just like cut back on the quality? Chat 10 looks three uh, listeners will be fine with that. Obviously, they're accustomed to uh, low quality. But like maybe it's the time to turn to a book. And um, I wanted to mention a couple that I've been reading in the last couple of weeks um, that were going to make a bit of an appearance at the Sydney Writers Festival. And um, you know how we're always in the um, in the hunt for a literary page turner? Yes. Have you got one? Yeah, I have. Oh, I really have. Finished it. So this is by Liam Pieper. Some people would have read his very popular um, debut novel, which is called The Toymaker. Um, and this is like a bit of an adventure novel, but it's, I mean, it's spectacularly real, well written. I mean, you know, um, sometimes when you set out on a novel and you think, oh, is this going to be a bit wobbly? Is it not going to sustain? The quality of the writing is profoundly good. And it's also an adventure. Like, I mean, it's very strong in plot. And it's about this sort of slightly no-good boyo character who scans um, women in a holiday destination and 
it kind of falls into this um, drama, a bit of a pickle, and um, has to fight his way out of it and meets uh, a kind of an unlikely um, companion. Anyway, it's just um, I absolutely hoovered it up when I was um, flying around recently, uh, not anymore, obviously. Um, it really was my companion um, travelling about, and I absolutely could not wait to get back to it at every point. So Okay, that could be we must um, come up with a lot more um, book recommendations for people if everyone's going to yeah. I just realised I deliberately set a light up in here and then I forget forgot to turn it on when we started recording. Oh, now it's too light. Oh, no, that's better. So now oh. you can see me. You could have been talking to anyone. Oh. See, I thought you were experimenting with lighting before. And no, yeah. is that too light? Should I turn it off? Is it better dark? Mm. Or? I don't know. Let's put it to the pole. I don't know. See what people say. Now is that annoying? I've got my my lamp facing the wall, so it's bouncing off the wall onto my face. But now I look a lot lighter than you. Sophie Hamilton says it's great that you're drinking water as well as wine. Very responsible like that. Mm. Um, should I turn the light off? I don't know. What are people saying? To report the vote? I mean, oh, someone's just said, oh, hello, Lee. <laughs> oh, okay. So I should I leave. I think we're a bit in before. Okay, maybe leave the light on so people can see a lovely face. Okay, well, if people start saying that it's annoying, because now I feel like really white. But... On, 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 oh, on. Dark. dark, better. Tilted away. Tilted away, maybe. Okay, you're tilted away. Hang on. Let's get it a bit less light. And that's Charlotte Smith who said, oh, that's good. Oh, I reckon that's good. That's flattering. This is pretty much like your Twitter stream post 730. It's just like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> um, now, I've, got, I've only got like two things to talk about and there's one of them I've been dying to tell you about. So now I'm going to tell you. You jump in. Yeah. Well, you just, oh no, you're not frozen now. Um, Okay, I've been dying to tell you about it and so many people have recommended it to me. It's episode 158 of Reply All. Have you heard anything about this? No, but is this the one that um, Bridget Delaney tweeted about like about a week ago? Yes. She did this tweet that just said, and I was really busy, but I saw it and it said, blah, 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 something of Reply All is the greatest podcast ever. And then I couldn't find it again. I didn't have enough time and I don't subscribe to that podcast and I forgot what it was. And anyway, but... That, is that the same one? Um, it is. And so it's, I'm sorry to tell you, it's another sort of slightly music nerdy. <laughs> Imagine that. And it held your attention, you say. Okay. <laughs> Just for something different. Okay, so it is. Dr. Pino Gree for a moment. <laughs> so, so. Oh, yeah. oh, I think I see Gladys. Now I'm happy to talk directly to the audience. I'm going to look right down the barrel of the camera and tell you all about this. Just forget about her. Um, so my face for a bit. Not like <laughs> I need to look at your face now. So reply all episode 158 is um, a guy has got an earworm in his head of this song and he sings it to his girlfriend and she says basically never heard of it. And then it gets it's a really sticky earworm song and it gets stuck in his head. So he ends up sort of writing to reply all to go, can you find out what this song is? So they start doing it thinking, oh, how hard could it be? And so they ring the guy and say, okay, can you just sing it for us? And so he's like, okay, it goes like, -da 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 -da. and so he starts singing it. And then right. it's quite, his recollection of it's really detailed, like, oh, there's a flute and, um, you know, the, the verse sounds like bare naked ladies, but the chorus sounds like you too. And he's got all this detailed stuff. So I get him to sing it. 
They try and play singing into Shazam, but can't recognize it. They try a few more things to get it. They can't. And because he's, he's not a musician or anything, he's just a, a dude, because um, he, he can't, they can't find it, the, the Reply All reporter has a friend who has a band, so he says, okay, come and meet my friends in LA, we'll go into the studio, you sing this song to them and we'll try to replicate it as best we can. So they make a recording of the song based on this guy's singing of like, no, no, the bass part's like, do, 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 and then he's doing it. And the drums, like, no, the cymbals, they're more shimmery. And so the band's just going completely blind. And he can remember like lots of lyrics, like bits and pieces of lyrics. <laughs> completely high while this is happening. So, um, and then as they're starting to play it and it feels like it sounds right, he starts remembering more bits of it. He's like, oh, I've got some more lyrics. I've got some more lyrics for the chorus. And so they make this sort of version of it. And he says like, yeah, that sounds pretty, pretty much like it. Then the reporter on the story and the band start getting infected by the earworm really badly as well. <laughs> So they start getting really bad earworms to the point that they are ringing each other and saying, like, I can't sleep because the, the like, you know, the sort of motif of it comes into my, my head at night. And, I find out. and so the singer's saying to the reporter, like, mate, you've got to find this out. So they ratcheted it up a notch. They have, like, a conference call with every leading music writer at Rolling Stone what? to ask, does anyone recognise this song? Anyway, they go down many rabbit holes, and that's where I'm going to leave it. You go, you listen to it. Yeah, listen to it. Find out what happens. So, having listened to the podcast, do you now have it as an earworm in your head? No, but I can see how you could because it oh, is a person of less discipline, <laughs> less intellectual, and oral discipline than yourself might fall victim to such a thing. Like the song is not my shot. Okay, you're not. Uh, Bitch, every single morning, without a word of a lie, I wake up with a different Hamilton song in my head. And I also think that the only thing getting our family through kind of this enforced togetherness phase, I mean, my kids are still at school, but like we're around, um, is that we are just constantly singing Hamilton the whole time. And weirdly enough, every morning it's a different song. It might just be, wait for it, or it might be, you know, here come the generals, or you know, or every day different. But super it. do you know what? I can just hear like around the country, all the chatters going, "Oh God, no, again, no." Yes, I have another book that I wanted to talk about before we, um, uh, one that I've read and one that I haven't yet. Yep. Um, this one I've read. It's by Samantha oh, yeah. May, and it's about like an unpicked. This is if you're in the mood for a bit of a non-fiction blast during your home detail. Real life isn't enough for you. It's got, because you know Samantha, right? Like she is the most absolute hold no prisoners um, journalist in the press gallery. She is, um, she's shocking. <laughs> anyway, the best thing about this book is that it just tells you how things work in a really um, engaging way. So probably take the biggest question that people had at the end of May this year, um, last year I should say, which is like, what happened? And she kind of explains, like within the Labour Party, how it all happened, how the campaign happened. But there's this amazing chapter that takes you into the kind of the black ops world that was operating inside Bill Shorten's office. And some of it is just, you know, the, the background work that they were doing sort of, you know, 
digging oppo on government ministers. And the detail is just hysterical. And the best thing, the best part of it is um, this particular chapter, which is on Choppergate and, you know, how Bromwyn Bishop was sort of oh, yeah. landed. Um, Samantha writes about how um, there was this unit that called themselves the Democracy Empowerment Unit inside um, Shorten's office. And they used to put in anonymous FOIs on, you know, government ministers under fake names, which you can do if you just put up a little email address. And they had a character called Miss Dolores Van Cartier, which if you've watched Sister Act, oh. <laughs> is, the, um, is the name of um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's character, I believe. Um, real name, Andrew Anson, um, who was a kind of researcher. Anyway, so there's this great passage that begins, Miss Dolores Van Cartier, AKA Andrew Anson, was lying in bed in Adelaide on the morning of the 3rd of August, reading about Susan Lee charging taxpayers $12,000 for charter flights to the Gold Coast. And the chapter then goes on to explain that this black ops operator had signed up to a property search service, a paid one, um, because there was that debacle involving David Feeney, the Labor frontbencher, he couldn't remember how many houses he owned, remember? Yeah. They ended up, like the Labor leader's office had to sign up to the property service just to work out how many properties this dude owned. Yeah. But then it turned out to be super useful because then they used it to work out how many properties, you know, government yeah. And that's how they discovered that Susan Lee had bought this apartment and then it all went apart from there. But I just like, it's quite bewitching to think that Dolores Van Cartier is like copying all these FOI requests to find out information about. Anyway, I'm sorry. Now, if Dolores wants to find anything more, you've just blown that cover. Well, that's Samantha's fault. She can oh, like she can distract people from across. But um, yeah, it's a it's a, a very readable and kind of insightful book and uh, well suited to a couple of nights of introspection on the uh, sofa when you're in lockdown. Look, I've been doing something equally as highbrow as that, which is for about 15 minutes every night before I go to sleep, I watch a little bit of Love is Blind. Which is oh, are you for real? Are you the person that is causing that? Because every time I open up Netflix, and I was opening up when I was watching that show, The Stranger, which I recommended to you. High oh, yeah, I forgot about that. All right, I don't yeah. You haven't watched it yet. You've been watching Love is Blind. Every time I look at Netflix, it shoves Love is Blind at me, and it's like, would you like to watch this? I'm like, no. What kind of reprehensible <laughs> human being would find that interesting? Look, it's and now I find that it's you. It is actually the perfect um, fodder if you want to get away from coronavirus. I'm telling you that. It is like could not be like trashier um, garbage. Look, that is Australia's premier current affairs journalist, Lisa. Take it away. No, tell us about the <laughs> you've been watching. Sure. So um, it's the premise was actually really interesting, but then it sort of rapidly just turned into a crap, you know, sort of dating blah. Um, so the premise was they've so this is why it's called Love Is Blind. They've clearly done a bit of work to select these two. What are you laughing at? I just love that, like even though this show is so clearly and redolently shit, you are really like you're settling in to explain it in the same way as you explain one of those interminable music podcast, you're like, <laughs> here's how it works. Like, I'm like, 
I know how it works. It's some <laughs> bullshit show where people who don't know each other have to pretend to, you know, do it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the format, love. No, like, it's, no. it's a little more, it's a little different to that, actually. Mm. Um, so it starts off with, so there's a group of women, there's a group of men, and they have, they get to sort of have dates but they're each on the side of a wall where they can't see each other. So they talk through the walls. They can't actually see each other. But not since Perfect Match has there been, is there a doctor in this one? Or like, I mean. There's a small robot. There's a small compatibility robot. Is the robot wearing a bow tie? <laughs> no, there's no robot. I'm making it up again. There's no robot. Um, Just in parentheses, the debate about whether the light should be on or off is still raging. Oh, it is still it's like off, on, light please, turn it off, come on, off, on. No, what do, what, do, what do people want, on or off? I'll give you one more look, okay? He's off. It's like, it's He's half off. and half. He's off. And like, now you feel so berserk about, turn it back on! If you want to feel like, like trash, don't be trash shamed, Lee. I think, I think if you want to feel like you're on a date with me, it should be off because it seems a bit candle lit and a bit romantic. Oh, Hold the phone. Who asked for that? Did anyone order that for their home delivery? <laughs> You'd be surprised the number of people who might enjoy that. Now, here's the light on. Light on is like um, you wake up the next day after a date with me and you're like, okay. Who wants to see my spice drawer, by the way? Oh, yeah, I would. Yeah, all right. Check it out. Give me a look. Oh, look at that. You, look at that. Who even are you? You did the rundown for tonight's show. You did the tech. Oh, yeah, you can have a tour of the kitchen. When is here? She's just, oh, okay. All right. In the laptop. I've just totally cut off sales's like description of her shit television show. People want to hear about it. People are saying I actually really enjoyed Love Is Blind. Go Lee. All right. You keep reading those out, and I'll show them the money shot. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Oh, this is my apple slinky maker. It's just accidentally out on the on the bench. Put an apple there, and you make it into a slinky. Ultimate school snack. Mm. It makes it. This is the greatest thing in my kitchen. Bring it up here, Dale. No, just um, when you bring it this way, they've got to see in to because and they've got to see in. It's just baking dishes. Baking dishes in a little wooden rack. Wow. Actually, it's not that expensive. You can get that wooden rack. Everyone at home on self-isolation tonight is going, you know what, I could be watching The Stranger on Netflix or I could be looking at the inside of crab baking cupboards. Listen, there was a demand. That's all I'll say. There was a demand. All right, let's go back to the... I think you're going to show you the exciting pantry. No, no one seems to see the pantry. <laughs> I mean, it's really... We can just... Hello, Gwenny! Get Gwenny on! Get Gwenny on! People ask for Gwenny. Gwenny, Nathan. Hello! Yeah, I'm going back into the wings. Oh, she's going to the wings. Oh, <laughs> I love the way that yeah, this is a live show. It's like Gwen's just walked on stage. <laughs> Actually, get Gwen, make Gwen do the horse. Oh. Gwen, come back. Come and do the horse. Come and do the horse. <laughs> Oh, uh, so this is actually, oh my god, guys, this is worth more than 35 bucks because this doesn't happen all that often. But like, Gwen has this incredible people are going to be very blown away. In it's fact, an incredible talent, I'm telling you. Make sure she's very properly to the camera. Your teeth are great. Okay, so here's Gwen 
doing the most extraordinary thing that a human being can Make do. Make sure she's on camera. Get her on camera. I'm just, I'm getting out so that she, okay, this is Gwen in a little performance that we call The Horse. <laughs> Close your ears. I hope that Stephen is not watching. No, <laughs> we're out. <laughs> that was not planned. <laughs> In the middle of, oh my God, Gwen, the world is upside down. Um, somebody asked, are those covered puke green? <laughs> you missed it, Peter. <laughs> wow, yeah. Wow. Look <laughs> at everybody like, Gwen, oh my God. <laughs> Is going not the horse. <laughs> 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 oh, nothing gets on the laughing heart. Oh no, Sheila Miller, Gwen's mum, is watching. So um, sorry about that, Sheila. Sorry about that. We'll ask them what we ask her to do, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> love is good. Okay, love is good. Crying, laughing, contingent. So they get to have like, hang on, I've just got to get the tears off my eyes. I know. <laughs> they get like when could rescue the performance industry by just doing the horse for a fee? I reckon online people would pay money. Um, so they get to go on a series of like um, I guess sort of speed dates. Initially. Oh, we're back to Love Is Blind. Oh, people want to know about it. God. Sorry. So um, they. They go like on some speed dates and if you sort of have a connection with somebody and you want to see them again, you ask to have some more time with them. And so then the people that you sort of have a connection with, you start spending more and more time with. But then mm -hmm. so over this, because they're having these quite intense, deep conversations and it's like, you know, when you're driving in a car and you can have a better conversation with someone because you don't have to make eye contact and stuff like that. Just, are you right? Yes, sorry, yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like a very original matchmaking show. <laughs> So then um, they end up sort of connecting with the person that they're most into and then um, they wow. so but by the end of it basically you have to get engaged to this person but so they get engaged having not ever who just came in Gwenny again Jeremy Murph well my dog Katie Chop I said Oh. Bye, Katie Chop. Oh, famous mummy's hair. Oh, yeah. Um, so you're about to tell me the thing that makes this show different from every other completely tedious dating show ever invented. So, yeah, well, it's the fact that they haven't seen each other. So they're basically in love with each other. They're saying, I love you, I want to marry you, and all the rest of it, and they haven't seen each other. So then they have to reveal where they see each other. And then once they've seen each other, it sort of just devolves into a regular sort of dating show. But you oh, right. like how their relationship evolves sort of when it gets put into real life. It's actually holding my interest. I'd be curious to know what other people um, think. So is there that. a certain amount of like, oh, you seem great, and then like, oh, I don't really like you at all. Like, I mean, a lot of these shows tend to be quite appearance-based. So Yeah, they are. And I wondered if they were going to like... everyone just hot anyway? I mean, like... Everyone everyday. was pretty good-looking anyway. So pretty much when they get revealed, they're like happy with what everyone looks like. So it's not like there's any real clangers where you sort of get somebody who's, you know, sort of 
slapped every branch on the ugly tree on the way down. It's all, everyone's good looking. So, um, and so then they sort of try and, so I'm only up to about episode four because I'm watching like 10 minutes a night. Um, but 10 minutes a night? 10 minutes a night. <laughs> going back for the next 10 minutes? I'll be watching this for years to get through it. Anyway, it's sort of losing my interest now that it's just sort of like a normal dating kind of show. But the first couple of episodes did hold my interest. And just to see the level of intimacy that people built really fast when they weren't looking at each other, it was quite strange. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not saying I'd recommend it. I'm just saying I've been watching yeah. it. Look, the world's in a strange place, Lee Sales, so I think that nobody can really point the finger at you for uh, spending 10 minutes a night on this. Please. <laughs> um, um, okay, I've been watching the TV as well. I've been watching Stateless, though, the ABC program. Oh, yeah. Okay, tell uh, me about this. Geez, it's so good, right? So it's got every Australian star that you've ever heard of in it. And so sometimes with those things, you're kind of like, oh, God, it's a bit try-hard. It's got everybody in it. It's, you know, it's about um, displaced persons, like in a um, detention centre. And it is the most intriguing human drama. It's just, um, I'm absolutely loving it. And it's so full of sort of life and insight. I'm just, yeah, it's really, really, really good. Is it a downer though? No, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, obviously it's got, you know, it's, it's about hard stories, but it's also, it's also sort of full of humour and humanity. Like there's lots of laughs in it, which sounds like a weird thing to say, because like, oh, people in a detention centre. But I think the, the key to it is that it's about um, the randomness of life. And I think that the dominant thinking about people who end up in detention centres is they have a very identifiable track. Like there's a bunch of faceless people who, you know, waited uh, on beaches in Indonesia and they've all got the same experience and they all get on the boat and this is where they end up. But actually, I think, and I think, you know, the, the way that, um, that's happened in Australian history has all been about sort of de-identifying um, asylum seekers as well. And there's a, you, you know all about reporting um, restrictions around people in detention, right? Like it's really, really hard to tell individual stories when you can't identify people. But if you're if you're writing fiction and this um, show is fiction, although it obviously borrows really heavily from real life experience. What the great service that it does is that it kind of it just shows you all the different life paths that can all end up in this this one place, and um, that's why it's intriguing, I think. And it's just phenomenally well written, and um, and the performances are great, like really brilliant. Kate Blanchett is this um, uh, kind of cult leader, basically, who wears a um, shiny tracksuit, uh, which should actually get its own um, actor award. But um, yeah, it's, it's superb. It's really, really good. I recommend it. It's almost as good as Love is Blind. And um, because I'm a like massive binger and I love a good Aussie soap, The Heights is back on as well. And as you remember, oh, yeah. I bought Australia on how great I thought the first series of that show was. I remember. And um, so I'm looking forward to having the whole of the second series to rely upon while we're, you know, in straightened circumstances in Australia. It's just like great piece of writing and um, great sticky, sticky family drama. Love it. 
Hey, I just saw Susan Langston say, next time we do this, you should be pulling um, a cake from your oven because it's right visible behind you. So you should time the cake to be ready and you can pull it out and go here. Yeah. Uh, well, look, I did, when we were talking about this for five seconds the other day, I said, oh, maybe I'll cook something. But guys, I haven't, I really haven't. I haven't cooked anything. I had um, takeaway pizza. Oh. You know, somewhere else. You're running me out of old crap left. Yeah. So um, have you got any podcasts apart from, well, you listen to Reply All, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I, not really. Um, I listen to, I've got a podcast. You've got so, a podcast. Yeah, okay, fire away. I'll just have a quick look and check if I listen to it. Well, I've got, like, I'm constantly on podcasts at the moment, but yeah. um, two that I'll mention is, like, one that I just started listening to is called Bird's Eye View, and it is, the most original and terrific idea and execution, and I only just I've listened to two episodes only, um, but I've already completely hooked. So it's um, it's made of the voices of the women in the Darwin Correctional Centre. Now um, that's mainly ma a male um, facility, and there's about I think 80 women in there. And so this podcast is. Describe because it's not one of those ones that has kind of a standard, you know, uh, Deirdre has been in prison for X, Y, Z number of years. It's kind of told as a mashup of the voices of the women, and you don't straight away know exactly who's talking, but after a while you um, start to recognise the speech patterns of the particular women. And it's sort of organised by theme rather than by personal narrative. So you hear them all talking, edited and spliced together about what happens when you first go into prison, or like what happens when you first get arrested, and then what happens when you're being put in jail. You know, that be interesting. Go through and how and how you feel while that's happening, and then there's a lot that explains just prison life, how, how it all works. And um, and you'll be pleased to hear there's a really good chunk in the first episode where they talk about how um, they have these birds that they that visit them, you know, and they are really attached to these, like there's a kookaburra, it's got a particular name, and these other birds that come and visit. And you sort of start to get a sense of how important it is for these women to observe these birds. And bird love yourself, I know that'll like really pluck at your heart strings. Oh, there's an intruder. We're selecting the whole set. There's an intruder in the People are hungry and people need probably food and they want to be oh, a glass of water. I was game to leave my children in this house because I mean you you know them and I think we know how the little one would be rolling right about now. <laughs> He's a menace. Yeah, <laughs> Elliot. Well, I might have just got home from the place where we're having pizza, aka Gwen's house. Oh, okay, right. So that's why everyone's coming in. Good. Yeah, yeah. No, all the big Korean um, BBC expert. I know. Yeah. That's so like, I'll have to drag <laughs> the rocker when he starts to misbehave horribly. Now we should um, wrap this up soon because oh, I wondered if you'd say that. Actually, we're, we're we're coming up for the hour, I think. Well, and I need to just wind down and get some sleep. Because um, nine by my count. Yeah, so I think we know what's happening at nine, don't we? <laughs> we know exactly what's happening at nine. That is that you're turning in. Um, the other, um, and I know that you've got a little something to close on. I do. That yeah yes um, I do. Do you have a, like nerdy podcast that I'll just quickly mention and yes. only in the interest of just you trying to wrap it up and me going on to something else. 
um, is a real, uh, you know how um, in um, the most recent series of The Crown, there's this whole episode where Prince Philip becomes completely fascinated by the moon landing? Oh, yeah, that's a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. Such an emotionally, it was just a fascinating episode because it was kind of about Prince Philip's kind of midlife crisis and he becomes completely obsessed with these astronauts. Well, there is a BBC World Service um, documentary podcast called 13 Minutes to the Moon. And I know that we've talked before about like that movie that has this really um, uh, gripping uh, and evocative account of the last little bit before the actual yeah. moon landing occurs when they thought it was all going to go to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. And this podcast, 13 Minutes to the Moon, is about that 13 minutes and exactly what happened and how it all nearly just went absolutely arse up. And it's completely fascinating. And all of that background chatter that you hear with all the voices going, Neil Armstrong saying, it goes through exactly what they're all saying and what is going on at those precise moments and also goes into like who was in the control room. And they're all about 25, you know, completely extraordinary um, group of people. And it also contextualizes the whole thing in um, uh, 1960s America and just how completely crazy brave of JFK it was to say, well, we're going to be going to the moon this decade. Anyway, it's... Um, is it just one episode or is it a series? No, it's like 10 episodes. It's oh like God, about 13 minutes. Oh and I know. And then the final, like at the end, they just play you the whole 13 minutes. And by that stage, you kind of know exactly what to look for and whose voices to list out for. Because some of them are just these kind of incredible characters. Anyway, I'll leave you with that. The, um, that just reminds me. Um, We've got two podcast episodes that have been recorded in the studio that are going to land over the next couple of weeks. One of them we talk about a great podcast series that's on called The Eleventh um, oh, yeah. about the dismissal, um, but it's it's sort of broader than that. I, I, we talk we talk about it in depth. So I won't talk about it now, but if you are looking for something to listen to, it's absolutely fantastic. And so it is so good, and it's full of reveals as well. Yeah. So what I wanted to finish on is. Um, I went a few weeks ago, probably a bit more than that now, to a fundraiser um, when it was still the bushfires was the biggest crisis that we were dealing with. And um, it was a poetry night at Giant Dwarf Theatre in, is that what it's called? No, Red Dwarf. Yeah. Giant, Giant Dwarf um, in Sydney. And they just had co cobbled together various people um, to read poems. And um, everyone except me actually wrote their own poem. Um, you were thrilled to go along, I imagine. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really imagine to write anything. So I read a Kate Kennedy poem, my one of my um, favourite writers. But, um, there was an actor there named Ewan Leslie who I had never met before. And he's been in a few sort of famous and, and critically acclaimed things. Safe Harbour, which was a series on SBS. The Cry, um, The Gloaming was his most recent thing. And he read a poem that he wrote and it's the poem was called Look at the Size and it was so fantastic that when he was doing it, both the content of the poem and how it was written, but also the way he delivered it, I was just looking at him thinking, how are you not a global superstar? This is absolutely fantastic. It was so good. And I felt like his five minutes of him doing that, I felt like, well, that was worth leaving the house tonight just to see him do that. It was so, so good. Anyway, I sent him a note to say how wonderful I thought it was and um, would he send me the text of the poem, which I then 
read and really enjoyed it. So I said, um, would it be right if I shared it more broadly? And he said that would be fine. Now, um, he did it so brilliantly that I feel like, oh, I just wish he was here to be able to do it. But I'm going to read it to you just so that everyone can enjoy it. So it gets heard beyond that room because it totally deserves to be heard beyond that room. So it's called Look at the Size by you and Leslie. Saturday afternoon, another kid's cartoon. Flugels, clangers, rusty rivets about to drop, Nella the Princess Knight and an Olabob top. Life advice from B1 and B2. My son sees it first, then I do too. I hold my breath, my eyes go wider, wider. Holy moly, that's a big spider. I look into my son's questioning eyes. I can do this, but look at the size of that fucking thing. It can hear my thoughts, but show no fear. My son is here, tears in my eyes. Look at the size. Nicole always handles this so well, but she's not here. And I can tell the day has the day I've always feared has come. My son, a huntsman, and no fucking mum. I've watched her chase one round the room, heavily pregnant, armed with a broom. And in that moment, I could tell one thing was certain, I'm going to hell. And you were there, my boy. You just didn't know it two days from life. And now, what if I blow it as you look at me, fear in my eyes? Look at the size. Maybe I should get the spray, but fuck, there must be another way for us to all just get along. Because deep inside, I know that's wrong. And this beef is mine, it isn't yours, and I can change despite my flaws. And even though you terrify me, I just may grow. You wait and see. And you'll have kids. If you don't already, you'll lose your temper and have to surrender and put that thing on the higher shelf. You'll try to wing it and disappoint yourself. You'll break all the rules you said you'd obey. You'll become your parents and then you'll say things you regret. But these things are not set. And before you fall down, you spin right around with a can in your hand. My mind is steady. No, drop it. Fuck, I'm just not ready to face these things about myself I put upon the higher shelf. And I know this spider sees all of this as I spiral into my self-involved abyss. But the future's not written. I haven't been bitten. And with my son in the room, I must keep all of this hidden. It raises its body. Is it going to spring? I mean, look at the size of that fucking thing. We watch it crawl on the wall. We both step back as we watch it fall onto the ground. It makes no sound. What will he see if he turns around? His father's pride? Fucking lies. Tears in my eyes. Look at my size. Because even though he has my name, I don't want him to inherit my shame. To stand in the corner behind his wife, screaming, old man, take a look at my life and what would I do if I didn't have her? Fuck you, I'm a lot like you were. This all started when I was three, when I was playing under our lemon tree. A small red spider ran up my leg and instead of smiling, I screamed instead. And as I ran to confide to my parents and cried, I couldn't hide the fear born deep inside. And as we stand here, the spider and me, deciding whether to fight or flee, my son looks up and gently smiles at me. He calmly walks over and with his little hand, picks up the spider and as if entirely planned, carries it slowly towards the door, places it down and it's gone, no more. And as we sit there watching Bluey and then Lego Star Wars, who's that? That's Chewie. I think to myself, just my luck. Cats in the cradle and whatever the fuck and these things about myself I truly hate up there on my highest shelf will have to wait. They're not there forever. I can always sever the bits I don't like and rebuild if I'm clever. And I know I can change. 
what I put in my way doesn't really matter. When I remember the day I first saw your face and later you sit, and now you're standing there oblivious to this. Tears in my eyes, my heart full of joy. Look at the size of my little boy. Wow. How good is that? <laughs> I know. It's so good. You should have heard the way that he read it. It was unbelievable. And were you just thinking, well, this famous actor is going to come out with some piece of like He's going to be like, I am a thespian with my poetry that I shall read to you all. And then he just read that and it was just so good. It was so, so good. Anyway, so I'm glad that um, I've been able to share that more broadly. So people. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't pre-read that, actually. Listening to you read it was pretty great. Also, good. so good to hear Bluey getting a shout out there too, because, you know. What got a shout out? Bluey. Oh, Bluey, yeah, the new season of Bluey's on. Yeah. Very exciting. Are you in this one? Am I in this one? <laughs> I did do some voiceovers for it, but I don't know if I'm in it or not, but I did I did record, I recorded um, a couple of characters and- Feral string bags, the local terrible love intrigues from foreign broadcasters. I hope I was allowed to say that publicly because last time I mentioned- I about have. I think you said on the broad, on the podcast before that you, you said I asked you to do something. I did and then I, then that was terrible because they heard because like what I did was big noted myself to my kids and said I'd yeah. have to do a voice for Bluey. Yeah. And, I, and then I said, but and the kids every day were like, Mummy, you want Bluey today? You want Bluey today? You want Bluey today? And I had to. And so anyway, the Bluey people. And you talked about your same, and then they heard it, and then came and back. And they got trouble. Like, oh, 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 we haven't dumped you. you know. And now I think maybe now that I've said that aloud, I think maybe what has happened is I've shamed the, the Bluey people into mm. letting me read something, so I can pretend mm. that I'm on Bluey. Anyway, secret who gets to read on <laughs> Oh God. Sorry, Bluey people. Blowing it at every turn. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I think we've had a pretty productive week, Lisa. You're allowed to go to bed now because it's five past nine. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now I don't say nice things to you often, but you've absolutely smashed it this week. So honestly, there's lots of people. I mean, even I've watched your show this week, and that's. <laughs> can I actually? Can I give a little um, just be self indulgent? Can I give a shout out to the seven thirty team and say? Yeah, you can. The. the uh, logistical difficulties that people are working under and also just the emotional stress and um, I won't go into it now the way that our office is currently working um, to get that show to air is so difficult and I think that what the reporters are doing is absolutely fantastic and I am so proud to be presenting what they're doing and the executive producer Justin Stevens is a god he is just killing it commissioning editor joe townsend killing it callum clay everybody there you are legends and also to keep 7 30 going through this period it's going to get harder and harder and harder and what we need is for people to keep in touch with us and tell us what is going on and you can do that at 7.30 at abc.net.au you can send us videos if you're somewhere you can send us just tips about stories just information we are going to become increasingly desperate for that. People have already done an incredible job for us with their own material that they've shot, giving us some really great insights into what it's like to have coronavirus and being quarantined, all sorts of aspects to it. So um, that has been fantastic. So, and please, if you're watching this, 
follow the official advice. And I think it can be summed up pretty effectively as just don't go out if you don't have to. If you have to go out, if you have to get your groceries, whatever, you have to go to the doctor, no drama, just be a bit careful. But if you don't have to go out, just don't go out. Like me, I love my Feel free to send through to that uh, email address your reviews of Love is Blind just to um, enhance. No, seriously don't because your friend and mine's seriously, uh, experience. Don't clog it up. No, no, joking. No, no, absolutely. That is a joke. I know that our people know that that's a joke. Don't do that, obviously. Jeez. Instead, send your school fate request to Annabelle Crab at... <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, also, for those asking, that poem was by you and Leslie. Thank you, you and Leslie. It was yes. just been, you know, lightly butchered you, by. You know what, you and I checked actually just before I came on. He's on Instagram at Ewan, E W E N underscore Leslie. If you liked it, send him a little message or a note because I'm sure he'd be super happy to hear that you liked it. That would be nice. Okay. Hey, thank you everybody for joining us. Sorry we couldn't read out all of your um, messages because we are just, I, I can't multi-skill. I'm just <laughs> that this whole thing even came off. So but thanks for being with us. Say to you and Gwen, and I know Murph was helping too, amazing job to get this actually pulled off. Like it feels like it was, yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's gone to air. I think We've, I think so. There seem to be enough people reacting to it. And the Mighty Shark was, uh, you know, pulling strings from Melbourne as well. So thanks, Beck Sharky. Awesome. Uh, and Murph, everybody, uh, good night, I guess. We're all going to bed. 908. It's catastrophic, <laughs> <stopping>, really. Thank you, Rachel. Bye. I'm going to toggle us out of here. Good night. I'm going to knock you out first, Lee Sales. Good night. Oh, God. Well, that's working. Good night. All right. No one can hear you again, love. All right. Good night.